The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Coates, and I'm joined here with my longtime pal, and I say long because she'll tell you how long we've known each other, <laughs> my longtime pal, Hannah Guffey Thunder. Fun fact, my kids were in her wedding, so that's how far we go back. <laughs> so Hannah, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you on today. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yes, I've been with 180 since I did my undergrad internship in 2012. A long time, but a great place to be. I guess where to start. Yeah, tell us how you got into the field. I know you went to Mount Olive in undergrad. How did you even get interested in the field of mental health counseling? So I've always kind of been interested in mental health. My dad always worked in public service. My mom, my godfather, my whole family has just been with public service. And so I wanted a way to give back, to help people. But blood is icky and (laughs) gore, all of those things. So I was like, well, let's let's be a mental health therapist. And so that's kind of what I've done. And you do a great job at it. And I know you specialize in working with teens, maybe specifically even female teenagers. And I know one of your areas of focus is on disordered eating. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that today. But we're going to jump in today and talk about effective communication with your teenager. Talking to Teens Yes, is the title of our podcast today. You spend all week long with teenagers, I know, and your dog, but mainly those teenagers. <laughs> Just jump right in and, and share what are, what are some really helpful tips that we can share with parents listening on how to talk to their teens. Yeah, so a lot of times I think when we communicate with our teenagers, we have this idea that maybe they're not listening or that they're not receiving what we're putting out, and that's not always the case. Well, yes, again, that can happen. I think a lot of times it just comes down to miscommunication. And so, especially recently, I've even been hearing that like um, teens can be very conflicting. So like one of the examples that I heard recently was the teen was saying, I hear my mom and my dad say they want me to be XYZ and I want to be like XYZ and also I want to be like my friends I want to do these things and so I think that when a teenager says I don't know or I want both they genuinely mean I want both and so then what do you as a parent do and I think sometimes parents can say things that stick with teens that they don't really know that the teen is actually listening so one of the things that I hear a lot from teens is when my parents say I miss the old Sally or I miss the old Jim or you were so much happier than the teen holds on to that they're like Mm. what do they want me to do like I don't know and so I think just trying to be mindful of they're ever evolving ever changing just kind of meeting them where they are and saying like hey yes you were happy and go lucky and I see that still in certain ways in your life now I think another thing is when you're talking with them using your I statements. It's so simple, and yet I think we often forget to do that. Jimmy says, I hate life. And you're like, okay, well, what I just heard was we're not happy right now. So how can I help you be happy in this moment? Or what about life do you enjoy? And so working with them where they are. Mm, that's so good. And I statements, I mean, that's just a basic communication technique that all therapists, <laughs> I think, use in their therapy room. I feel blank when blank. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm wondering. Wondering, even as a parent, you know, if we turned it around and said, I feel sad when 
I see you sad or yes. I feel sad when you're sad. Yes. Maybe that would be a way to effectively communicate to the teen what we're noticing yes. instead of, I wish you were happy again. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's modeling for them too and letting them know that you're human and that you're not just on top of your game all the time, that you're a parent and right. foremost, you're human. And we just we just do what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back to that conflicting. Just jumping back a second, I was thinking about how teenagers, the selective listening, mm-hmm. you know, I have a teenager now. And so sometimes I'll, I'll say something and totally, what? totally selective hearing <laughs> is going on, you know. Yes. But as a therapist, thankfully, I'm able to unpack that a little bit and know that there's a lot going on in that teenage brain that is still forming that hasn't really come together yet. And, you know, not all parents are privy to that kind of information. And so just understanding that these kids, these teenagers, maybe they're not being rude. They're not selectively hearing. It's more that their brain is still forming in some ways. Again, it helped me understand, right? Like talk to your teen and just, I don't get that. Like help me see what you see or hear what you are hearing. And just, again, being honest and transparent with them of like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. So help me get to Mm -hmm. where you are. Help me just see what you see. I think if you can take the time to meet them where they are, you will receive so much back from them. Yeah, that's so good. How else can we talk to our teens? What are some other effective ways? So I think kind of going with the support, just ask them how you can support them, what they need from you, what they don't need from you is more specific. I think like if they are struggling with what they want from you or what they need from you, then literally ask, so what don't you need me to do, right? I think they can they can pinpoint that more easily and you can start from there. Okay, well, I don't need you to come in my room every five minutes. <laughs> okay, well then I can come in every 15 minutes. You can work with what they don't want more than like, well, tell me what you need. I don't know what I need because they don't know what they need and what they need today might not be what they need tomorrow or in five hours and so I think that goes back to the conflicting like they genuinely don't know at times (laughs) and And it changes yes yes so always checking in what do you need what don't you need I like that what don't you need because certainly that that can sometimes speak louder Mm -hmm. because they don't know what they need but they know what they don't want even or don't need might be a looser term but they know what they don't want they don't want you coming in the room every five minutes Mm -hmm. so Um, you can do that or not do that right (laughs) that's good so also with the support which I guess also ties back into how to better communicate with them is so I love Dr. Emoto, E-M-O-T-O. He has a lot of research on, I guess, inanimate objects and how they change with positive and negative things around them. Okay. It's really hard to explain. It's really mm-hmm. fascinating. But basically, one of his studies is he takes water from a sample and he puts it into two different like petri dishes, if you will. And what he does is to the one on the left, He's like, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're amazing, like plays Beethoven, shows like these beautiful pictures. And then to the one on the right, he talks about Hitler, says you're worthless, you're a piece of crap, all sorts Hmm. of these like negative things. And what actually happens to this water sample is that the molecular structure starts to change. And so what I take away from that and what his research is showing is something so minuscule basically as a water sample <laughs> yes, can change. Imagine what it's doing to us. And not to mention that we're also comprised of what, 60, 70% mm. of water. And so what are we doing to ourselves? And I think with teens, they have the world at their fingertips all the time. And we know that it's so negative out mm-hmm. there and you have to be super specific to like hone in on positive things. And so they're getting negativity from everywhere. And so to have something positive to come home to 
I think would be helpful. So even just like, hey, Jenny, I saw you do X, Y, Z. Like, that was awesome. Just small little things go so, so far with them. The study that yeah. he did is amazing. Yeah. It's but awesome. the power of our words and the power that the words the parent is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. When I, I just feel like it goes back to like, you don't think that they're listening, but they mm-hmm. are. They're receiving everything you're giving, even if they don't put it back out there. Yeah, or acknowledge it. Yes. I mean, I talk with parents and they might say those things to their kid. Mm-hmm. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're powerful. You're strong. And they they say, well, the kid doesn't even acknowledge I said it. So why am I going to keep doing that? Mm-hmm. Except back to. They do. Yeah. Because they'll come in. I hear them say that. Like, I know that. I know my mom thinks I'm pretty. I know, like, even if they don't feel it, they're hearing it and they are receiving it. It just not might be the way that you as a parent want them to receive it or to do whatever you want them to do with it. But also know that you're not doing it for your satisfaction. It is for them and their development and being their best self. Yeah, that's great. I guess another thing, too, was Gary Chapman. He has the five love languages. Uh-huh. And, you know, he has a book specifically for parents and adolescents or children. If you don't want to read it or if you can't make your teenager read it, <laughs> one of the things is just asking them, how do you know that I love you? And whatever they respond is going to be a good indication of their love language. Yeah. And so, again, you can build off of that, right? If you're like, Jenny, how do you know that I love you? Well, when you sit and watch TV with me, well, that's probably quality time. Mm-hmm. Or if they're like, well, when you take me to Starbucks, Okay, well, it could be quality time or gift giving Mm -hmm. or both. Exploring that avenue, I think, is also a good way without being like, here, read this. Let's find out what our love languages are. Right, right, which a a kid, a teenager is going to think is pretty cheesy. But I love what you're saying. Yeah, how do you know I love you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And let them guide you really mm-hmm. and if the parent reads or you know I mean I think they have that little online quiz you yes. can take and you can identify the five love languages yes. if the parent can do that then they'll know where their kid is coming from yes and then do more of that yes. yeah really speak to their love language I think what's so important now especially as a parent myself knowing and we were all teenagers at one point you know knowing that this is just building this foundation for these kids as they grow into secure mm-hmm. adults who are then going to be secure adults in the workplace and their own relationships etc absolutely and it's just fueling and fostering a healthier generation sort of with the communication piece but with food and Mm. disordered thinking and again social media and how we perceive our bodies and the I love that we have the body positivity movement Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful I also think that a lot of times I've heard parents say well they must not eat desserts look at how tiny they are in front of their kid and I'm like Okay, come on now. Like common sense <laughs> says they're they're going to receive that again. Whether you think they are or not, they heard that. And so right like now I have this idea, well if I eat dessert, does that mean I won't be skinny? And that's not the case at all. Um I think when we work with adolescents or teenagers and we want to talk about food, again it just kind of goes to modeling, right? Mm. Like not deeming foods as good or bad or you uh, this is a bad meal for me or whatever have you I'm nourishing my body and so like I'm gonna enjoy what I have and we're gonna celebrate that some of the things too if you want to kind of incorporate your teens into that like food world of asking them to help you plan for the week which also you're then spending time together so it's kind of a win-win um but it's also teaching them time management right and planning and organizational and skills. budgeting maybe yes yeah. incorporating them into that I think is also helping them understand the value of food and how it's nourishing your body and how to plan and to eat a well-balanced meal and to know that we need to eat three times a day and have a couple of snacks or whatever happens 
have you that like it's okay to talk about food and it, it's okay to also not know what to say. I think that's probably a whole other podcast episode that you and I can dive into at another time because there's a lot of kids, boys and girls, walking around with borderline eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Parents may or may not even be aware of it, but a lot of parents don't know how to even broach the subject with their kiddos about these things. And maybe the parent has enough knowledge to notice something's not right, but they don't know how to go about talking to them. Um, So yeah, that's hugely important. And I think too, again, just with like that communication piece, if we're eating together, if we're really actively trying as a family to sit down, and I know it's hard, I know the world is constantly revolving, (laughs) and maybe over the last, I don't know, however long COVID's been, 18 months, maybe you've spent a little more time with your family, but also how diligent were you, again, about planning meals together and being intentional about sitting around the dinner table and just being with each other. And so I think starting there as well, of that way you know too, whether they're eating or not eating and you are providing a well-balanced meal Mm -hmm. a nice time together a place to check in with each other how was your day today what did you enjoy what did you hate today just having that intentional time with them yeah the lost art of the family meal yes (laughs) yes which again maybe over covid you were doing that but now i feel like it's picking back up again and so it really is going to take that moment to be intentional about all right tuesdays we're sitting down we're doing this right right yeah i have heard some families say that that's one of the things they want to carry into Mm post-pandemic world is the family meal time together because a lot of families learned how valuable that was to eat together and socialize and all those good things yeah well again it just gives you an opportunity to check in with each other even if your teenager hates it and is on their <laughs> phone you can even and I think that also goes what are we modeling I know that I always have my phone on me and so right how can I tell my kid or my teen to put your phone down when I'm on it 90% of the time yeah. and so like having a, a little unplugged hour all together we're all gonna gripe we're all gonna complain but we're doing it together <laughs> right and I think even that is gonna lead to better communication with your teen without a doubt these are great tips so far anything else that you have that you would like to share with the audience about talking to your teens I think just being honest with them too of like I don't know how to help you or I don't know what to say in this moment or I don't know how to respond to that let me think on that or let's come back to this like just being honest with them is gonna be so much more valuable in your relationship than if you try to come off with something instantly Mm -hmm. because they're gonna know that it's not genuine it's not authentic and they see that they see through that and they're here a lot of times I want respect they want me to respect them well I want to be respected and so having that conversation too of what does respect look like to you versus what respect looks like to me and how do I give that just having that conversation that's so valuable too a lot of parents might still be navigating the teen parenting phase with parent the teenager as if they're parenting a five-year-old still Mm -hmm. and do this do that which doesn't work it's not gonna work precisely (laughs) there can be some rules and structure obviously you need that parents have to change as the kid is changing yes and growing and if you need help with that or any other advice or guidance in talking to your teen working with your teen you are welcome to reach out to hannah in the holly springs office and we have lots of other providers practice-wide in our five locations that work with teenagers or work with parents who are navigating this new season of life and you can find any of those therapists on our website at 1-80counseling.com thanks for listening 
You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.